I've got to confess to you people something. I have spent an insane amount of time in my life standing in a river waving a stick. I think if I'd have spent as much time with a guitar in my hands as I have with a fly rod, I would uh, know how to play that dang thing. From the time I got out of high school till uh, the time I went to my doctoral program, 10 years or so, I went fishing 100 days a year. And when I was back east, I went fly fishing a lot too. It was uh, mostly for stripers and bluefish though. And in some ways to me, only trout fishing is really fishing. I guess the only other thing I've uh, spent so much time in life doing is reading. I don't know, there's just something in me that needs something that takes my total attention and surrounds me with tranquility and uh, a trout stream, it turns out, is a pretty good place for that to happen. I got away from it for a while, I guess, because I was, uh, you know, more involved in my sailing life. And I've been kind of rediscovering it in the last few years. I've been trying to get my kid to go with me and... It seems like I have some people in my life who are interested in it, and, and I, so I've started to, to uh, get back into it. I, I used to go alone all the time. And, you know, I had a lot of frightening rattlesnake encounters. I ran into a lot of outlaws who weren't up there for the fishing or the scenery. I fell down a couple of times. So, uh, you know... I've become uh, less habituated to that level of risk. And after a few, you know, semi-recent experiences with the same, I decided that I have to go with the buddy and, and just uh, jumping in my truck and blasting up the hill 10 miles down a dirt road where no one knows I've left uh, was probably not the kind of thing I had to keep doing at my age. So I grudgingly accepted the fact that I have to fish with somebody else. Um, and I feel blessed that I've got some people to go with right now. And they're good people and I really enjoy riding up there with them. But when we get into that river, you're only there in case I fall down. I'm just kidding, of course. But, uh, but it is a kind of solitary thing. And I like that. Maybe why I was terrible at golf. I tried to take up golf for a while. It wasn't any good at it. But the social part of it kind of took over for me. I'm addicted to talking, as uh, some of you might know. And, uh, you know, I, I just couldn't be quiet on the golf course. I probably would have played better if I played alone. You know, I could have stayed in it. And maybe not. I mean, who knows? My little brother heard I was playing golf. He's like, oh, you're taking up golf? I'm glad I'm not around to see that. I'm like, what are you talking about? He says, because you're the least patient person I know. And I'm like, that's crazy. Have you ever seen me sit for hours and tie feathers onto a hook or walk up to that hole and lay down the perfect cast, catch that big trout and let him go? He's like, yeah, you've been doing it since you were a baby. You got good at it before you even knew it was hard. If you learned to fly fish now, you'd be snapping $500 fly rods over your knee. 
I'm like, oh man, that is so perfectly accurate. So yeah, maybe I like it because I'm good at it and because I've done it a lot. You know, I definitely put in my 10,000 hours early in life. But I don't just love it because I'm good at it. I, I'm sure that anyone who, um, you know, gets good at, at some art uh, knows this or understands this. But there's something uh, really significant on the other side of getting good. After the frustration uh, of your technical limitations starts to disappear for you, there's something beautiful on the other side of that um, of that learning experience. And different traditions might want to call it different things, but uh, I call that beauty on the other side of learning, poetry. So, you know, my, uh, my literary aspirations and my trout fishing were always mixed up together. I considered it poetry. You know, I don't know if that's right or wrong. And in fact, you know, um, I'm an English professor because of trout fishing. I saw on the shelf at the library this book it was called Trout Fishing in America. I thought, man, I'm going to learn how to catch trout in all of America. Not having a library card, I hooked that thing and took it outside. I opened it up. There's a picture on the cover. It says the cover for Trout Fishing in America is a photograph taken late in the afternoon. A photograph of Benjamin Franklin statue in San Francisco's Washington Square. And it gives the dates of the statue. It leads us right, right to it. It leads us back to the front cover. It was this amazing mirror and puzzle. And, and in, the, in the front piece, it had this crazy-looking, hand-drawn, crude trout with a hook coming down at it. It was, it was and it's a Jack Spicer on the hook. You know, the book was dedicated to Jack Spicer, a poet. And this is kind of crazy, you know, this is all, this is all uh, like so self-reflexive. And, and, and it reminded me of, of fishing, staring into that water. I mean, the water is a mirror after all. And I was so intrigued by the strangeness of that kind of book that felt like the kind of book that I wasn't allowed to read in school and and it felt filled with secret knowledge and it was so full of puzzles and riddles that by the time I had learned what it was doing I was so far in it I was in too deep to turn back and I went back to college and eventually started this journey to become a an English professor, and and I'm not entirely joking. I mean, I'm joking around, but I'm not entirely joking. Um, you know, this book became the hippie epic when it was published in 1967. Everybody knew it. Um, but what was really fascinating to me about it, um, in addition to it being an, an amazing cultural document, at some deep level, it really was about trout fishing or the process of trout fishing seemed integral to the construction of the book and there was something that I recognized and identified with in the, in the kind of silly pursuit of trout and the maybe equally silly pursuit of trying to, uh, uh, you know, capture and compress experience and sensation into poetry. 
So anyway, this, this magical book also taught me that trout fishing was somehow integral to my life, my creative processes, my ambitions professionally, and that it wasn't just some isolated thing. I didn't know what I was getting out there standing in that river. But after reading the book, I was pretty sure it was something and pretty sure that it was something that I shouldn't turn away from. I mean, ultimately, this was this was later. This was after I had much more confidence in my in my uh, insight into literary texts. I won't say in myself because I, <laughs> I still don't have that. But, uh, you know, I, I was in graduate school and we were reading trout fishing in America. Finally, finally reading the kind of books you didn't read. And, uh, you know, I knew about trout fishing and nobody else did. And I did have secret knowledge that was useful to me in that context. And it might not have been everything. It was one of the things that I knew, but, you know, uh, but it, it, was, it was an access uh, to the text that other people didn't have. And, and I think probably before this, I'd already figured this out, you know, but it's like the those experiences that made me, me in life also made me, me as a scholar. I mean, man, undergraduate education is so designed to beat that out of you, which I try to remember. I try not to beat it out of my my students. But um, but yeah, man, your life is a, is a useful guide to reading literary texts because the people who wrote them also had lives. And, and the fact is that Richard Brodigan spent a heck of a lot of time trout fishing despite all of his other, you know, pursuits. And that obviously made it into those texts or particularly into trout fishing in America, but really honestly into some other stuff. And uh, he's certainly not a, alone in that. So many writers that I could run down a list of uh, fall into that exact same category and experience. I think part of that is that it's so like writing and that you have to study and you have to practice and you have to learn and you have to train and you have to put in the time. But really, you got to hold your mouth right, get right with the universe, open yourself up to receiving that flash of insight and then, you know, being ready to capture it when it happens. And that seems to me to be a metaphor for how art is made. Um, and then also, you know, it is its own art on its own. And uh, just doing it, for me, is its own reward. And I'm sure you have uh, your own thing, whatever that is. You know, in Walden, Thoreau talks about, uh, you know, that young men will go to the to the woods to fish and hunt and then hopefully later they'll come back as poets and uh you know he confesses in there that he, though that he uh you know can't quite give up fishing and i kind of feel the same way because i you know not that any of my poetry is about fishing or nature i guess some of it is but you know not much of it but I feel like uh, when I'm out there that I'm doing some kind of work on my 
senses and on my soul and on my position in the world. And I think that that's important. And I wouldn't sit there for five hours staring at that river with a notebook in my hand. But I'm more than happy to watch that fly over and over again. And it becomes part of my world and a part of my consciousness and part of my dreams. I dream still of big trout rolling over on that fly. I see some moments where I caught the the right fish in the right way. I guess for me, ultimately, the thing about fly fishing is that because I have such strong visual memories um, of catching particular fish in particular locations with particular lighting on particular flies and equipment, that uh, those moments become kind of touchstone moments in my life and I can think about who I am and and where I've been and and uh, you know I, I find myself this is so crazy uh, I find myself when I'm wandering in the stream lately and, and I've probably always done this but I become self-conscious about it I sing songs in my head or sometimes I hum them that are the same songs that I would hum or sing when I was fishing years ago there's kind of a trout fisherman's mantra that says, read the water, make short casts, keep moving, which is great advice for fly fishing. I don't know that it's necessarily great advice for life, <laughs> but uh, you keep moving, you know. If you don't get the fish in the hole, don't, don't ask why. Just move on to the next one. You know, that, that hole is not going to do it for you probably. It's different with different type of fishing. It's different with steelhead fishing. It's different if you see a big fish in there. But generally, you got to keep moving. And I don't know why, but when I fish and I think about that, I think about um, the tide is high and I'm moving on. And I sing that Blondie song as if to remind me that I gotta keep moving. And you know, it's crazy because I've done that since I was a kid. So you know, in fishing I do the same thing in the same space with the same intention that I've done for years and years and years of my life. Um, and I guess that's uh, the purpose of ritual in a, in a general sense, you do something and it allows you to uh, measure the changes of your life um, and it also gives you really deep access to the other periods of your life because it it sort of uh, carries you back there in a way that's really specific um, and often surprising so out in that river I enter a particular type of space to do a particular thing that's changing constantly as I do it, but it's also kind of timeless. You know, Thoreau has that line in, in Walden, time is but the stream I go a-fishing in. I drink at it, but while I drink, I see the sandy bottom and detect how shallow it is. Its thin current slides away, but eternity remains. I would drink deeper fish in the sky whose bottom is pebbly with, scar with stars. I don't know what he's talking about. I don't know if he knows what he's talking about. 
we're probably saying the same thing. I don't know if I'm smart enough to figure it out, but I feel like uh, I got it in a way the other way around that, you know, uh, not that time is a stream I go fishing in, but a stream is time that I go fishing in. And I'm not looking toward eternity. I'm looking towards moments of my past that allow me to think about where I am now, which I guess maybe, I mean, maybe that has to do with eternity. Maybe that has to do with the future. Maybe I do that to sort of regroup around who I am and what I want to do, which again is like the purpose of, of ritual. And, and so it's, it's uh, very easy to become self-conscious of that as being a ritual exercise for me. At the end of the river runs through it, there's a there's a scene Robert Redford's narrating, and, and it's, you know, Norm McLean, the author, as an old man standing in the Blackfoot River, uh, a place I've fished before. He's thinking about the people that he lost in the time that's passed, and I think he has Thoreau's uh, Time is a Stream image in mind. He says, eventually all things merge into one and a river runs through it. The river was cut by the world's great flood and runs over the rocks from the basement of time. On some of the rocks are timeless raindrops. Under the rocks are the words, and some of the words are theirs. I am haunted by waters. You know, when I was younger, the literary critic in me thought he was overreaching. The sentimentalist in me gets filled up even thinking about it. I, I can't watch the movie anymore. I start crying when the scene starts before they before they even start talking. And the fly fisherman in me, I think, knew what he was talking about. I'm haunted by waters, too, and I'm looking for the words under the rocks. I'm out there trying to make a poem, trying to find the language to describe a feeling uh, that I get out there, and it has something to do with everybody I've ever known and everyone I've ever loved, even though I'm uh, mostly alone out there. And I guess as I get older and I, I uh, know more about loss and I know more about age, uh, that whole thing's getting more important to me again. Hey, I hope this was interesting to you. I know that, you know, the after reading hundreds of books about fly fishing, it has such a, a huge literary tradition. I know that that it's a tendency of authors to, uh, I don't know, make more out of fly fishing than is there. Uh, it 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 draws us toward philosophical, uh, you know, connections and conclusions and speculation. I I think that you know, it's difficult to articulate to people who don't do a particular thing, um, how it feels at a sort of spiritual level. And it's kind of interesting that, um, you know, Trout Fishing in America is this hippie book. Um, and somehow that kind of hippie, stereotypical hippie sentimentality uh, could maybe hold and do justice to uh, to the fly fishing thing. I don't know. But I, I, I would ask you to to think that you probably um, have in your life some, uh, some similar thing that gives you that similar feeling of connection to the universe, frankly, um, that's difficult to articulate to other people. So I hope I gave it a shot. 
Um, and I'm sorry that in the podcast the air conditioner kept kicking on and off, but it's 110 here, and and ultimately at the end of the day, um, it's cold in the streams, and it's 20 degrees cooler a half an hour from here in the mountains. So uh, maybe ultimately why I go fly fishing all the time is uh, just to get away from the heat. <laughs>